Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Smazarski, Editor-in-Chief of Stylist. And I'm Alex Walker, Editor-at-Large. And together, we are your brand new work wives. Consider us the background noise to your PowerPoint presentation. The support you might need to get through a working day. Or the distraction. Yep, definitely that. Welcome to Working From Home with Stylist. Coming up in today's episode, Anna Whitehouse, aka Motherpucker, shares her thoughts on why we should all be fighting for flexible working forever. Katie Piper is sharing her self-discovery podcast recommendations to help you through this next phase of lockdown. We are talking all things energy, or rather the lack of it, and how to give your energy levels a much-needed boost. And author Maggie O'Farrell will be sharing her advice on how she makes working from home work for her. One of the big stories for me over this past week or so has been this move to enshrine working from home in law as a right for all of us after this period where it's being enforced upon us. And actually, you know, so many people have been campaigning for flexible working, for the ability to work in a different way for so long. It seems the pandemic is a thing that might actually push that over the line and change how we work forever. That's true. When you see a massive company like Twitter say outright that they don't expect any of their team to ever work in an office or ever to be forced to work in an office ever again. Yeah, they'll keep their office open, but it's your choice to work from home. That just shows such a huge monumental change in the working culture. And we've seen how it can work. We've seen the benefits for so many people from working like this. We've seen Mm. not having to factor into a commute into your day, Mm. the benefit that can bring brother the employer and you I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the work culture looks like 12 months from now definitely I I, I mean this has been my first ever experience of working from home and we started this podcast because we were worried about that experience we suddenly had our our offices taken away from us now I'm not sure I would choose to work on my own all the time forever but there have been a huge amount of benefits to me in terms of being able to be more flexible trying to work around my family but of course you know this isn't just about parents versus non-parents there are absolute proven benefits in productivity in output in motivation in anxiety levels for people who have the option to work from home as and when they need to and I think we're all fast-tracked into making that work so many businesses for so long have talked about well we can't do that we need to have people together well actually now we've proven over the last couple of months that you can still keep businesses going yeah working from home It feels so outdated, this idea of nine till six. Every person must start at the exact same time and finish at the exact same Mm. time. Because, of course, 
people work really differently. I know I'm really good in the morning. Ideally, I'd start work really early. And from mm. four o'clock, I am, there's, there's, there's no point of me. There's no point me sitting at a desk because I've really lost energy by that point. So allowing people to work around their own personalities, their schedules, their hobbies, um, and actually allowing them to have a proper work-life balance. It's been shown how good it is for people. And I really hope one thing we can take from this period is that work can be work from home. It doesn't have to mean that you're shirking from home. It's a really valuable way to work. Absolutely. And one of the people who's celebrating this move is Anna Whitehouse, aka Mother Pucker. And she is an author, presenter, but most importantly in the context of this conversation, a campaigner behind the Flex Appeal movement. And she's been campaigning for the last year or two about flexible working for all. So I think if anyone heard a large woohoo when it was announced that this could well become law, then that will have been Anna Whitehouse. And here's what she had to say when I spoke to her about it. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us today. We obviously want to talk about flexible working a bit more. And as someone who has pioneered a big campaign through Flex Appeal, we definitely wanted to get your opinion on some of the new developments. Obviously, there has been a shift, well, a shift in the conversation around the law and the possibility that working from home might be enshrined in the future. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, so um, I think the first thing to say is that enforced remote working that we're currently Mm. in is not effective, flexible working. But what it has done uh, on a legal level and I think on a human level is open up the conversation around what can we do post lockdown to ensure that this momentum Mm. continues of flexibility in terms of working anywhere and everywhere. And that is what the talks talks are happening at the moment in Whitehall about... Putting the onus on the employer to prove that a job cannot be done remotely. Mm. So if I put in a a flexible working request or a remote working request to you, you have to prove from a business perspective that I cannot do that job uh, anywhere but in that Mm. office. The people who wouldn't basically come under this law would perhaps be scientists who would need a lab, you know. But if, uh, for example, as a journalist, I said, I would like to work two or three days from home, it's now been proven it's possible Mm. on a tech level, uh, the employer cannot say no to me because I can take my laptop and I can do my job from home. So the current legislation that's being pushed through Whitehall at the moment is really centred on shifting the narrative from it being on the employee's Mm. um, perspective from us having to prove that we can work. And I think the business reasons for declining any kind of request pre-lockdown were completely set up to fail mm. uh it was very easy for a business to say no yeah <laughs> it's just not going to yeah. happen so i think that's what we're going to be seeing a shift on the other side and that partners with um the big drive that we were pushing forward pre-lockdown before we were working in the context of a pandemic and trying um trying to repackage Peppa Pig as key stage two <laughs> English. <laughs> but we formed a coalition for, called Flex for All uh, with TUC, Fawcett Society, mm-hmm. the Fatherhood Institute to ensure that it wasn't pegged to women's shoulders. Mm-hmm. This is not about mummies wanting to see more of their Weetabix smattered children. Mm-hmm. And I think that was put forward. Uh, the first reading went through Parliament with Helen Waitley, the mm-hmm. MP, and that was to make flexible working available for everyone 
from day one. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're looking at a really different working landscape post lockdown. I think it's interesting, though, Anna, because obviously the law before talked about everyone had the right to request flexible working. But of course, every company had the right to decline that request. So that is a monumental shift in in terms of how we might think about flexible working in the future. A hundred percent. It was we were sort of tap dancing around. You'd have this exchange with HR where you would put your flexible working request in. It would then get declined because it was set up to fail. And so, yes, a lot of companies could say we are a flexible working company we are family friendly Mm. we are this we are that but actually the reality of it was it was a PR puff Mm. piece what they were saying and what they were doing were two completely different things Mm. a lot of people the subtext is well won't everybody be sitting in their undercrackers watching homes Mm. under the hammer and you're like well no that that person will probably be stalking their ex I was gonna say it's not like you can't shirk in an office is it it's no (laughs) you you know it's it's not uh they're not comparable that's a recruitment issue so I think what we're really going to be seeing is companies companies looking at what people are doing not where they're sitting Mm. and I really pray post lockdown that that 26 weeks Mm. where we have to earn the Mm. right to even ask Mm. to deign to ask for it is scrapped and we go for flexibility from day one for everyone. What evidence have you discovered and what do you think our offices and businesses of the future will look like? So I think there's a really interesting quote from Douglas Copeland he said I truly believe we will see that it is barbaric that actually strapping humans to a designated slab of MDF under a strip light and owning them, there's no relationship, you're just owned. And when we did our TED talk, we you, the whole core of it was just referencing battery hens versus free range mm. hens and the eggs they produce mm. are better. Mm. <laughs> it's actually, when you look at it, when you cage people, mm. animals, they aren't operating as well as if you allow them to own their mm. own time. You remove such a weight of stress. So, but answer, quickly answering your question about where the future sits, we're not going to break down the nine to five. We're simply giving choice mm. to people within the nine to five. And my biggest fear is over productivity. Um, that's yes. where I feel like we need to move the conversation. We know flexible working works. That's a conversation from five years ago. What we need to look towards is um, how to stop people burning Mm. out, how to help people switch Mm. off, how to create boundaries in their day. Uh, BT implemented flexible work and they're like, it was great. We were up 30%. But then at the end of that month, people were burning out because they just didn't stop. They felt they had to prove to them, to, to people that actually they weren't shirking because there's so much kind of stigma around flexible working, working from home. And, and actually, I think a lot of people will talk about that now. I mean, we started this conversation by talking about your day. We're not in a dream situation at the moment. And people are also comp- overcompensating around that to either fight for their business or to prove that they're pulling their weight. It's the over emailing uh, just to prove that you are there. Yeah, visibility. Yeah. And that comes down to just unlearning and deconstructing this, you know, structure that we've been in Mm. since the Industrial Revolution. It really is. Fabulous. My final question then for you, Anna, is obviously we've talked about people who might be experiencing their working from home life during some tricky conditions. Prior to this, how did you make it work for you? What were the what would be your best tips for anyone who is flexible working 
in the future? So I think I'm probably the worst poster girl for flexible working because <laughs> uh, I, I love the nine to five. I love structure and I haven't had it for three years. Uh, so, you know, I think I really want to stress that this isn't about just release everyone into the wilds. Um, often you're just talking about 15 minutes either yeah. side of your day or just somebody not feeling owned. It's a mindset shift more than maybe mm. a physical shift. But uh, so I was burning out, I would say, pre-pandemic, mm. playing into that overproductivity mm. narrative. Um, and what I have found is that now I'm finding tools, I'm learning how to work without boundaries. Mm. And that comes from simply putting an out of office on when I am caring for my children. And like uh, Robert Reetbrook, the CEO uh, in for PepsiCo in New Zealand, um, they get a lot right, New Zealanders. Uh, oh, <laughs> just, wow. I mean, they're I mean, prime it's minister. just down to Jacinta, come on. It's, it's, just, uh... <laughs> it's just Jacinta just gets yeah. it all right. And um, Cue mass exodus to New Zealand, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's like, to let me in. You seem to just have somebody who knows what they're doing at the helm. So Robert Reetbrook, he implemented a leaving loudly policy. So simply... You would say, I'm off to pick up my kids or I'm off to play basketball and own leaving the building, whether you're online or offline. And that has been a really big mindset shift is there is no shame in living outside of work. And it mm. takes people at the top to own that. Because if you don't own it as a manager, it will trickle down to everyone else. You're owning their time. So show that it is okay to have a child, that it is okay to go and enjoy a basketball game. That has helped because I, when I'm working now, I am working. And when I'm not, I have an out of office that simply says, and it's quite a human out of office, just saying I'm putting the kids to bed. Mm. If you don't own your boundaries, no one else will. The other thing that's helped is if you are freelance, is finding people within your industry that you can com communicate with. So remotewerkmates.com is a great site mm. to go to. It's basically like, it's freelance Tinder without the sexual <laughs> subtext. <laughs> it's the only way I can describe it. It's a lovely description. It replaces the water cooler chat yeah. that you maybe miss out on, yes. the social side of yeah, it, yeah. which I think a lot of people right now are pining really for. Really struggling, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think those two simple things, what you'll find is moving forward to the future of flexible working is that there will be something in the middle, a middle ground where people ebb and flow within work and home, with trust at the core of it, tech to facilitate it, mm. and measuring what they're doing, not where they're sitting. That's mm. the utopia. And actually, that's not for the employee. That's for the employer. I think what's so funny listening to Anna is that you can almost see in the future that in five, ten years from now, when people look back at how we used to work pre-corona, that we would all cram our sweaty bodies onto a tube in the morning and that we would all go to the local Pret for lunch. I do love Pret. This is uh, this is certainly uh, <laughs> not criticising them. I miss them. I miss them. Um, but, you know, we would all go to the same lunch place and we would all leave at exactly the same time. I think everyone would be like, what were you thinking? What a bizarre mm. way to work. Um, it feels really, really outdated. And I genuinely hope that this will, this will start a far more modern, far more life-friendly approach to working. Absolutely. You can find out more from Anna at motherpocket.co.uk or you can follow her on Instagram, Twitter and all the lovely socials 
as Mother Pucker. She also has a brand new book out, which is written with her husband, Matt Farquharson, Where's My Happy Ending? And you can get that now from all good bookshops. And don't forget, if you are missing the water cooler chat, we also have our very own Facebook group to go with this podcast. So just search for Working From Home with Stylists within Facebook. Alex, I think we're probably in a bit of a nurturing frame of mind because we decided that we wanted to spend some time today looking at self-discovery podcasts and really sort of finding out how we can use our entertainment time to look after ourselves a bit more. Yeah, something that's really struck me during this period is how when people say to you, how are you, which is something that they would say every day, 20 times a day, you'd be asked that question before Corona. But now when you're asked that question, people really take the time to listen to the answer and they expect you to Mm. answer really truthfully. And I found myself having really honest conversations with people uh, really quickly, not, you know, I don't have to have had a few drinks and, you know, having a deep and meaningful. Every time Mm. I speak to a friend or colleague, we're really honest about how we're feeling and it's been a really nice discovery. I think I think that's so interesting because actually I don't know when I last said fine yeah. to someone which would normally yeah. be my acme response I wouldn't even think about it it was just a sort of pleasantry and then cut to the chase but actually I don't think you know you sort of talk about what you're doing and how you're coping and actually you're prepared to share your feelings as well which is fascinating I think I've always enjoyed podcasts that take people on a bit of a journey and share people's individual stories and for me that's what self-discovery podcast do and I think now as we're really interested in other people like you say at the moment and you know our everyday heroes and people who how do you tackle problems Mm. and I think there are a wealth of podcasts out there but navigating them is quite hard so we asked a host of one of those podcasts Katie Piper for her recommendations now Katie has had a podcast since 2018 called Extraordinary People And in that, she interviews people who've faced adversity in their lives and how they've turned that into positivity. So I was really keen to find out what other podcasts she listens to that we might enjoy too. Hello, it's Katie Piper here for Stylist Magazine. And these are my top podcasts. Fern Cotton's Happy Place. She always has brilliant guests and it feels really intimate. She really gets the best from those guests. And, you know, it's a lot of life advice. My favourite episode recently was with Jada Pinkett Smith, who talked really openly um, and in depth about lots of important feminist issues. Similar to Fern's is Under the Skin, Russell Brand. Again, just like Fern, he has fantastic guests and he doesn't hold back, you know, with his questioning. He's not afraid to ask what you're thinking. And I feel like I really get to know people through his episodes. If it isn't too self-indulgent, I would like to say my own podcast, which is called Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. And I suppose selfishly, I picked my own because I love getting to meet my heroes. You know, my podcast is all about people that face adversity and overcome it. They share how they did it. They share their advice their tips their mantras but it's not fluffy it's not all about people with the happy ending it's about people that had to create a new normal number four is rob moore the disruptive entrepreneur so rob's this amazing uh, billionaire who's made all his money through 
being self-made through property. And his podcast gives advice on business, how to create passive income streams, multiple income streams, and he interviews all types of different people that really inspire me professionally. So I hope you enjoyed my self-care podcast recommendations. I've not actually listened to any of those podcasts, but um, the one that stands out to me is the Disruptive Entrepreneur. That's from businessman Rob Moore, mm. mainly because uh, one of his topics is interviewing an extremely successful entrepreneur about why being lazy is the key to success, uh, which, oh, I love which that. I'm really into right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the dream, isn't it? Yes. That works I came me. up with this million, uh, multi-million pound business while lying on my sofa. Yeah. Yes. I'll take that. I am a big fan of both Fern and Russell's podcast. I've listened to quite a few of those and I would absolutely um, 100% back those too. Actually, Russell interviews Fern if you want a fully kind of meta experience yeah. here. I love Russell Brand. Love him. He has an amazing ability to ask the questions either other people don't think of or dare to ask. And I think that's what makes his interviews so fascinating. So definitely top of my list, I would say. Do you know what as well? I would like to be interviewed by Russell Brand. To find out about yourself. Yeah, I feel like him interviewing me would reveal things about myself that I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe there's there's no extra layers to me. But if there were, you would Russell have would to brace them. yourself for that. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure. He's very unnerving. We um, Russell actually attended Stylist Live a few years ago, and he is one of the most intense men that you just feel like I'm just going to talk to you a lot. I'm just saying lots and lots of things, and I really wish I could stop talking now. <laughs> he has an amazing intense ability, and he'll just stare at you and look you in the eye. That's so, why you'd be yeah. so good. I mean, it's absolutely his charm and uh, how he gets people to share so much, I think. Uh, fascinating man. I find him absolutely fascinating. And I think a brilliant podcast that everyone should listen to. Thank you again to Katie. You can find her podcast, Extraordinary People, on all the main podcast stores. And more about the work that she does at the katiepiperfoundation.org. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
I want to talk energy again now. I am struggling with my energy levels at the moment. And for the first time during lockdown, I had a nap at 5.30 the other day because I was like, I definitely can't get through the evening unless I have a little power nap. And I genuinely fell asleep. And this this is so abnormal for me. But I can definitely tell that I'm experiencing these big lulls in energy throughout the day. I will say that you are by far the most energetic human being I have ever met in my entire life. So much so that I have suggested that we've done features that actually test your energy levels because I've never <laughs> met anybody who can go through an entire day of work, a massive night out, and then be up at six the next morning with a seemingly no hangover. Uh, it's quite something. So for you to say that you're I've lagging in energy and actually had a nap, well, it's floored me. If I wasn't already on the floor from my extreme lack of energy myself, I am next level lethargic. Mm. It's not even extreme tiredness through the day. It's more just this lethargic, sloth-like nature where I could just roll from place to place. It's really strange for me because actually, although I can never say I've got as much energy as Lisa, I, from 6am till probably 7 o'clock at night, I don't stop. I love doing stuff. I very, very rarely sit down in between those hours. But now all I want to do is, is be vertical mm. on my own with a large, bl <laughs> with a large blanket on me. Um, I have just got no energy to do anything and it's really freaking me out. I mean, I'm a big believer that energy breeds energy. So the more you do, the more energized you feel. And that's certainly the rule that I apply to my life normally. So I guess it makes sense that conversely, whilst we're in lockdown we're feeling that lack of energy and I guess it's like that saying isn't it if you want something doing ask a busy woman because we have the ability to just take on and do so much but um our digital team were all complaining about the fact that actually they were going to bed at half past nine every night which was you know abnormal behavior because they were just feeling so worn out and exhausted by their working day or you know and that their patterns were fairly normal in the sense that they're getting up at the same time doing a full working day but they just didn't have the energy to get through and I think some people are manifesting that as a lack of physical energy, some as a lack of psychological energy, and some as a bit just a lack of mojo, a bit of, lack yeah. of motivation. I think you can even see it if you look on social channels at the minute. The first few weeks, everybody was cleaning and baking and, mm. you know, really going all out in their Zoom quizzes. And I feel like now there's a massive slide in that and the majority of people are just sat on the sofa watching Netflix, um, wishing that they could order a takeaway because who the hell's got the energy to cook anymore? One of the articles that I stumbled across is actually an old one on our own website and stylist.co.uk because we are fairly sleep and energy obsessed on our website. It's such a big issue in normal life. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me in that article is that at the moment, we're not using our muscles in the same way and that's having a massive impact on our energy levels. So usually we move, it's causing our bodies to expend energy whereas at the moment we're storing it so our bodies you know we're eating a similar or maybe more but we're moving less and we're storing this energy and actually it makes us feel a bit slothish and a bit achy but just moving resolves this so we've talked about this now on a few episodes but actually just the process of movement breaking up our day with lots of small exercises whether that's moving around your house or whether that's going for a walk but not sitting still all the time and I know 
know that's true of me. I feel like a massive potato a lot of the time where I just haven't moved from my desk or, you know, I've moved from one room to another, but I've not used my body properly and in the same way that I would do mm. normally. I do think of you like a potato a lot. I mean, yes, yes. That is my spirit vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> I am spending an inordinate of ta- amount of time looking at a screen. And I think every single bit of research I've ever done for any sleep article has talked about the effect of that screen time uh, mm. on our brains. I, I believe it's called a hypnagogic state. I love that word. <laughs> Say it again. It's really lovely, hypnagogic. hypnagogic. Uh, basically, like a daytime dream state where our minds wander and they just can't focus and we just feel exhausted and that is so true of me and it's made me realize I'm gonna have to start going out and leaving my phone behind definitely it's terrible that you're on your phone while you're out walking you're, de- you're definitely doing bad whilst doing good I'm, I'm not I'm giving you no leeway on that no Taking your phone on walks. Yeah, it's not even like loads of people are trying to get in contact with me. To be honest. <laughs> just so popular. My chat's terrible at the minute. I'm tired <laughs> of you. Yeah. Uh, no, can't blame that. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and I think definitely too much screen use will be, as we talked about before, something everyone's guilty of. I also was really fascinated by the fact that too much sleep is causing us some massive lulls in energy it seems ironic obviously that the more we sleep the less awake we feel but obviously our natural circadian rhythms are all about kind of light and they're really kicked in by getting up at the morning at the same time and actually one of the things actually we discovered in the stylist restival is dr narina talked about how the sleep before midnight was the most valuable so for someone like me who's going to bed often now at like 12 half 12 I'm I'm losing all the valuable sleep which is actually where a lot of your brain recovery happens so actually I think that and the combination of then having more lions and things is causing sleep inertia which is really affecting our energy levels yeah I'm definitely guilty of that as well a lot more late nights for me Mm -hmm. you are definitely a lark not an owl as a rule aren't you Yes, I really am. And I have to say that is partly children related. Mm. Uh, My devilish middle child uh, decided very early on that 5am was her wake up time. So I have had to completely retrain my body. So yes, whilst I would call myself a lark, I can't pretend it is a lark of my choosing. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, despite the fact that I am an owl. I had to force myself to get up earlier and earlier and stylists did that to me. There were so many meetings when we launched that were like at 8 or 8.30 a.m., which were obscene and hideous. But I think culturally we've moved into more breakfast meetings. We've changed the patterns of our days. So I've had that forced upon me. But whenever left to my own devices, I stay up late and I would sleep in for hours. And I feel a bit teenage, actually, in how I'm sleeping at the moment. That definitely is a shift in my pattern, and that's definitely affecting my energy. I think it probably would be remiss to not discuss the impact of the psychology of this situation going on at the moment, because boredom, boredom doesn't energize us, does it? It has the absolute reverse effect. And I think both you and I have talked about being bored this week. Just bored of everything. I'm just bored but of everything. Literally everything. I am bored of my droney old voice. I'm bored <laughs> of talking about being bored. Yeah, I'm bored of pretending now. I'm going to be honest, I am bored. Being bored makes you just want to go to sleep. I'm craving some stimulation. I'm craving some different people to talk to. I'm craving some different lights and smells and sounds and ideally an aeroplane that's going to take me to a 
different place. Yeah, I mean, you don't even hear aeroplanes at the moment. It's bizarre. When I looked into some research on this subject, monotony, boredom can make us feel tired. And obviously trying to break that to find things that stimulate us is definitely beneficial. And of course, stress and anxiety have a huge impact on our energy levels. Obviously, some of that's about poor sleep quality, but there's also about distraction, about how we focus, about how our mind stays focused on one particular activity at the time. And I think all of what's interesting is all the advice for all of the reasons is kind of the same. So whether this is a physical fatigue or energy loss that you're having or a psychological one, all the advice seems to be move more, get outside more, try and keep to a routine, like getting up at the same time, going to bed at the same time. And setting yourself some small goals, small wins to have throughout the day. And that can be things that excite you or it can be things that just make you feel better about yourself or that you've kind of achieved in terms of work or a personal hobby. But actually the advice continually suggests that we should be doing all of those things. It's true. And it's like, you don't really want to hear it. You want to hear that there's a magic pill and that magic pill's suddenly going to change everything. But... I mean, nobody ever wants to hear that actually you've just got to do your exercise and eat your greens. It's basically that, isn't it? That is the other big bit of advice. And something that I am trying to change is just to eat healthier. You know, we've all, well, I've certainly turned much more to sugar and snacking largely out of boredom so I am trying to make a real effort to go back to and they're all actually foods that I really like I'm trying to have avocados or protein at lunch um, mm. I'm having a sweet potato rather than a giant jacket potato I am trying to add much more protein to my diet because I do know that I lack that quite a lot mm. and just to try as much as I can although you know I'm not a saint in any so way hard isn't it yeah. yeah to stay away from sugar the other thing, and I do think it's worth mentioning, is that so many people in the Northern Hemisphere are quite deficient in vitamin D by this mm. point. Obviously, we've just come out of winter, hadn't had any sunshine, and I think it can be a real issue for loads of people. I've been tested and been really deficient in the past, mm. um, so I am going to pop to the doctors, actually, and just check, check my levels again. Mm. But it is worth thinking about for anybody who is feeling really low in energy and I do also want to stress actually that if you are feeling extremely low in energy that it is always worth getting it checked out in the doctors anyway just to see whether or not there might be any other issues that need tackling. I think that's super important actually because of course there can be lots of medical reasons for our energy but there are also lots of things we can definitely do to help ourselves during this period where we are not living our completely normal lives and if you want any more advice we've got lots of great articles on stylist.co.uk which will help you get your energy back Earlier this week, I got to speak to the very lovely author Maggie O'Farrell, who's written so many novels that we're such fans of in the stylist office. I love, absolutely love The Hand That First Held Mine, which was out in 2010. And the reason why it has stuck in my brain so much is that it's about a woman who has a baby and it's quite harrowing, actually, but I read it whilst I was just before I had a baby and during my first maternity leave and every inch of that story I mean she creates amazing atmosphere in all of her stories and it sort of makes you feel like you are there and you can feel all the emotions of the characters I think she's incredible at doing that but there's something so visceral about that experience because uh, this woman can't remember the birth 
And then I read this just before I was about to give birth and it just stuck with me. But it's a really powerful, incredible story. Um, And I think, God, she's written so many amazing award-winning books. Maggie is somebody who has worked at home for a long time. uh, So I was really interested what we could learn from her. Here is what she had to say. So if you could start by telling me a little bit about what your working day looks like right now. Well, my working day right now is a little bit up in the air <laughs> at the moment because, uh, you know, I mean, the thing about writers is we're, we're so used to working from home. It's what we've been doing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're not used to is having uh, all three kids at home all, all the time <laughs> and being kind of, you know, a teacher and actually this week a nurse as well, I think, because my son had a bike accident. I mean, he's fine, Gosh. but he came off his bike and he's... He hasn't, luckily hasn't broken anything, but there's been a lot of, uh, he's basically removed quite a lot of his skin. Oh, once, wow. One side, it's funny. So, you know, you never know what to expect with parenting, as I'm sure lots of people know. You know, you kind of think there are, day, there are days when you think, okay, great, I've got three hours to work. And then something happens, someone falls out of a tree, someone has a bike accident, you know, <laughs> suddenly there's no food in the house, which is the big, <laughs> which is the biggest crisis, especially when they're teenagers. So it's just all a little bit, we're all just flying by the seat of our pants, actually. Well, I think, you know, I think the whole world is actually at the moment. Obviously, writing's quite a, it's a really dedicated, you've got to be very, you know, concentrated and in the moment when you're writing. How easy do you find that? Well, it's funny, I don't really have to be disciplined to write, because mm-hmm. um, that's always what I really want to do. I have to be disciplined to do my tax return. <laughs> I, I think that's true of anybody. <laughs> that had to be disciplined by because I'm not, you know, that's not my natural state. So no, I've, I've never really had a problem, you know, getting myself to sit down and write. You know, I'm used to writing now with young kids and you always kind of, I've been for so long now, I've been writing around the edges of things. You know, when I wrote my first book, when I was in my what mid, late 20s, I, I was working full time as a journalist so I wrote that book in the evenings and at weekends and in a sense that was really good training I think for the rest of life because you know I think writing is something that you do around the edges and, and that kind of suits me in a way there is the school of thought that you can't write and have kids you know that every baby costs you a book with all these kind of terrible sort of sayings of doom that you'll never be able to have a creative life and a domestic life but I really don't think that's true I've never found it true and I think it's just one of those ways that the establishment has tried to keep particularly women down and women creating mm. because I mean obviously you know I have oh, my, my husband helps out you know with the childcare we share it between us and that helps but it, it isn't impossible you know and I do find them quite complementary in a way I use one to sort of sustain the other always having that feeling of not quite having enough time of always chasing your tail is actually quite good for you because it makes you really concentrate and really focus in the narrow amounts of time that you do have and you use them like nothing else. Mm-hmm. So do you want to tell me a little bit about what your working day looked like when you were writing this new book? You know, did you just, do you just sit there at your computer and go or do you have a lot of structured breaks? You know, every book has very different phases and I think the beginning phase is often the hardest. Mm-hmm. I think when you're starting something, that's the, that's the point at which you're kind of most nervous and you're not very sure of your footing. Mm-hmm. So I find actually when I'm trying to start something, which I am at the moment actually, mm-hmm. I'm starting a new book right now, um, I say to myself, I go and sit there and I say to myself, I'm going to just do this for one hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if I only write a sentence, I'm going to stay here for an hour and I'm not going to do anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to check my email. I'm not going to see if my auctions on eBay are going away. <laughs> <laughs> None of that. I will do that. And I think, you know, structuring and dedicating just one hour of your time um, like that it is actually quite effective and then obviously if it's going well you can you can stay there for longer and is that something that means that you sometimes just keep writing into the night or do you tend to have quite a 
disciplined working day it, it isn't really disciplined I mean I wouldn't say it's disciplined because I'm not very structured or very organized and I don't you know no two days will look the same I mean I, I used to actually write in the evening um mm-hmm. particularly when I had my son um when he was quite young but actually <laughs> these days this is I'm actually so knackered by the evenings <laughs> there is no evening for you um tell me a little bit about your workspace what does your uh, work home office look like and feel like it's a little kind of box room where mm-hmm. I keep everything and this is where I have my desktop computer. And do you tend to keep quite a neat workspace or do you have, like me, if you can see around here, notes and post-its and everything everywhere? Well, actually what I do is I have two desks and I have two computers, which sounds a bit um, indulgent. But so I have one desk where I do all my admin and that has my... Mm-hmm. Um, desktop on it and that is as you can see probably it's really messy it's covered in I don't know sellotape there's a someone's left a pot of yogurt here which wasn't me it's one of my kids um <laughs> there's kind of lipsticks hair hair clip a lot of hair clips because my hair really annoys me so I tip like, glasses scissors everything is on this desk and then in the corner there's another desk which is absolutely totally empty and that's where I put my laptop so I have a laptop which I actually write my books on and that has no connectivity at all. It has no email, no internet, nothing. So, oh, that's smart, actually. So, yeah, and I just, I don't know, it's just one of those things and it really works for me. And actually, the laptop I write on is 12 years old. I bought it before my daughter was born. So, yeah, but it's, it's just perfect for what I need. So I just write on it and nothing else. That, that's a really smart idea, actually. I think I need to uh, copy that because I'm so easily distracted. Um So for anybody who's working from home for the first time and finding it quite hard, what tips do you have for them as somebody who's uh, well versed in this way of working? Well, I think ring fencing your time is very good. And I think, you know, sort of in a sense, just putting a boundary around something and saying, as I was talking about, you know, saying I'm going to sit here for an hour, break it up into quite bite sized pieces because you can't, I mean, Mm -hmm. sitting here thinking, I'm going to sit down for three hours now. It, it, it's it's not very helpful. You've got to be kind to yourself and think, well, I can manage half an hour. I can manage an hour. But in that hour or that half hour, whatever it is you're in fence, you have to completely concentrate and not distract yourself. And if necessary, pull the router out of the wall. <laughs> if you need to do that. Or put your phone in another room, switch off everything. And or the, you know, there are lots of... Um, there's lots of software you can have that stops. Mm. You know, there's one which I use called Freedom sometimes, which is actually really handy. But I think you just have to make sure that your work time is sacrosanct. And then actually when you have worked completely concentratedly for well, your allotted time half an hour, you feel really great. And then you can go outside and have a cup of tea in the sun. I'm always fascinated by the lives of writers because obviously it's such an insular career. You know, you're lost in your own brain and your own thoughts. So I'm... I, always intrigued about the process and how people work particularly as someone who loves talking so much (laughs) how how stuck I would be how harrowing it would be for me if I wasn't allowed to talk to people all day long so I think you know I find that just incredible and it's such focus you can read Maggie O'Farrell's latest novel Hamnet which is out now now, on to matters of great importance. Alex, what are you eating, drinking and doing this week? The most important matters, I would say, always. Of course. Um, <laughs> drinking. So I realised this Saturday when my husband uh, brought me a cocktail, I was doing a Zoom chat with some friends, how nice it was. Aww, I mean, what love. just I'm going to let me finish this because then you'll realise that there's a caveat. <laughs> how nice it was for the first time that week 
for me to be the person that was given something and not asked for something uh, in its complete right, package. Um, and I was like, oh, that is, it's such a treat just because it is the only thing that somebody, sounds a really sob story, but it's the only thing someone does for me right now. I know. I, know. I, I mean, I'd come round and make you a cocktail I if I was allowed. I know. I would do that for you, Alex. So um, I made him agree to make me a different cocktail every weekend and I've sent in the recipe for the one I want next which was is from Bon Appetit's website and it's a rhubarb daiquiri and it looks so good um rum and rhubarb wow that's quite an unusual combo isn't works it? for me I mean for me rhubarb is only in custard and a boiled sweet oh, so you know rhubarb and custard oh they're lovely I, if it tastes like that I'm in I'm actually in the cocktail vibe as well because I got sent a kit from the mixology brothers this week for a raspberry gimlet and I tried it and I think now this is what all I want to drink forever and all that goes into it, this was fascinating because they'd obviously made it as simple as possible for a novice like me to make. And it was jam. So a raspberry jam, which, you know, is surprising. Pure lime juice and gin, sort of almost equal measures of gin and lime juice. Uh, so quite hardcore, a short drink, definitely. But that mixed very thoroughly over ice. And the, the jam sort of dissolves into the um liquids it's just so tasty so i am definitely going to be making those it's so easy it took seconds to make no faff please bring one round to me i will i will food wise i am really struggling with motivation to cook i think that's just a continuation of my lack of energy right now but also i'm just I am desperate to go to a restaurant again. I miss restaurants so much. Mm, It's by far the first thing I want to do when this is over. I have this feeling inside like I just want to say to all my favourite restaurants, please just hang on because as soon as this is over, we are going to be beating the door down. Um, And I just feel it for them so much. I know that industry is going to be so heavily affected by this and it really makes me sad. So because of that, I have bought a few restaurant vouchers for meals with friends. So it's like, one, it supports the restaurant during this time. Mm. And two, it's a really lovely thing to look forward to. One of my favourite restaurants is Giacconi's, which is a kind of fusion of African, Asian and Middle Eastern food, lots of sharing plate situation. And it is so tasty, so good. Uh, And I just, yeah, I really want them to still be there post all this. And that was, yeah, a little bit of support, I guess, for them. I love that idea. I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea. And I'm definitely going to try and find some vouchers of my own because I love the idea of supporting the places that we love in normal life my my recipe this week is actually something that I saw on our stylist loves email but it actually comes from Sarah Rennie's new book six minutes showstoppers and it is a Nutella frozen Nutella loaf cake which sort of looks a bit like a cheesecake and just like a load of chocolate gooey joy but it's a really simple recipe it's on the stylist website now i mean it looks filthy but gorgeous (laughs) do it lisa (laughs) i'm going to what are you doing what what have you got what can i copy what am i doing (laughs) not a lot (laughs) come on um yeah not not a lot i'll be honest with you however I am desperate to get off of this Zoom call right now because 
<laughs> Charming. <laughs> I am really into, like everybody else, The Last Dance on Netflix, which is all about Michael Jordan's career. And it's so funny, isn't it, how something that doesn't necessarily strike you as being your area of interest, mm. just when it's done well, and it's an amazing human being with such an amazing yeah. backstory, is just enough to hook you so much. And that the soundtrack is excellent it's yeah really brilliant music the whole way through which i do think plays a big part for me so i'm binge watching that like crazy at the minute yeah i'm excited to watch that i'm planning to try a new podcast this week called history becomes her and this is about women making change and then women who paved their way for them and they have got some fantastic guests on this including jodie Cantor and megan twohy who uh, broke the harvey weinstein story originally in america oh yeah lisa Tadeo, who's the author of three women who i know you're a fan of oh i love that um, book it is the most one of the most powerful books i have ever read which you know is praise indeed i think from from anyone alex but especially you <laughs> um <laughs> it doesn't come lightly from me and then also some friends of stylists like Porna Bell and Charlie Brinkhurst cover on there as well. So it sounds like a really fascinating insight because you're getting their role models and also you're learning more about their particular story. So I'm excited to listen to that as well. For more ideas on what to eat, drink and do during lockdown, you can subscribe to Stylist Loves at stylist.co.uk forward slash emails. You'll also find all of our recommendations in the show notes in the podcast store and on our website, stylist.co.uk. And please remember to leave your comments and suggestions of things you'd like to hear more of in the podcast store too. And don't forget to subscribe to this series to make sure you don't miss next week's episode when we'll be talking to Dr. Narina Ramlakan, sleep expert on how you can get a good night's sleep during this period. Thanks so much for listening to Working From Home with Stylist. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.